The Contenders is a proud member of the Cage Club Podcast Network. For other great shows about movies and pop culture, go visit cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. There's a friend of mine I want you to know. Did you say she was rich? There's no doubt, whatever, about her fortune. Let the matter alone until I've taken a few soundings. Let the matter alone. I'm in love. I fear she may marry one of these Europeans, and I want to prevent it. What a rage you have for organizing people. What have you to do with me? Welcome to The Contenders, the show about the movies made by and starring women who refuse to play by the rules. I'm Aislinn Addington. And I'm Tobin Addington. And today we're going to talk about the movie The Portrait of a Lady from 1996, which is which is quite a film. Quite uh, a film, quite an era. Quite an era. Boy. Um, a lot of 90s um, period nostalgia. Brings up a lot for us, doesn't it? That, brings up a lot for us, and I'm so excited to get into it. But first, Tobin, if I may, I wanted to um, give our audience just a little heads up. Um, one of the things that came up for me in this watch of the movie was um, the, I would say, blatant uh, mm. and um, gross uh, domestic violence. <laughs> as uh, opposed to the other kinds. Right. As opposed to the, I don't know. Um, but Gra- so graphic I, depictions, yeah. Thank you. Graphic depictions, a great point. And so I just wanted to um, alert our audience that at some point that is likely something I will bring up in our conversation. Um, and so if that's not a conversation that you're interested in listening to today or have the capacity to listen to today, that's okay. That's why I wanted to bring it up right at the moment. Um, and if obviously when we talk about it a little more, I'll explain the pieces of, of domestic violence that I noticed. But um, if you're uh, wanting to talk more about that or um, are interested in finding out more, um, thehotline.org is a great uh, resource that has a lot of information as well as a hotline. Um and, uh, and a, a chat function and things like that. So thehotline.org is a great place to go um, if something that we say uh, brings up uh, some feelings for you. So with that, Tobin, yes, what is your history with Portrait <laughs> of a Lady? I'm a big admirer of Jane Campion, the director of this movie. There are a lot of her. There's a lot of her work that I that I really really dig and grapple with. Like it's, she's a grapply director for me like uh you have to i feel like you have to kind of wrestle her movies down that's not the right <laughs> way but like engage with them and you know there's there's rough edges and it's a different point of view and so um i saw portrait of a lady somewhere in the mid to late 90s on vhs probably renting it from the <laughs> i'm probably the the only reason that our local like iga uh, you know got these you know art movies <laughs> as, as rentals. But so I would have rented this and I, I did not remember liking it, Okay, but I remembered three or four images from it that were sort of seared in my brain that have carried with me to this day. There are things I, that I remember from this movie, um, but I hadn't. And, and so, and she, this was the first, no, I would have seen the piano first. This is the, the second Jane Campion movie I ever saw. And then I saw a bunch more 
but had never revisited this until we embarked on this 90s Christian Bale-a-thon in July. <laughs> and that's and the reason we picked this movie it, 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 through that connection. Between the last this and episode. other James Campion movies. Right. Yes, yes, was, yes. I mean, that was, we're going to do Jane Campion. And so for me, the um, balance uh, sh- shifted to the one that Christian Bale <laughs> from the 90s is right, in. Right, because right. 90s as Christian we discussed, Bale. Yeah. that to me is prime Bale. Right, right. Prime and Bale. in that sense, I got everything I wanted. <laughs> you had to wait an hour into the movie, oh hour and a half God, to get it. I, but yes. I had I had a little Vigo snack to tide me over. That's true. That's true. So, um, what, so, what's, so what's your history with uh, the portrait of a lady? Sure. So I would say similarly, there are some, there are images. This was the era when you would get um, Entertainment Weekly and would read it and pass it off to me and in a... There was internet, but not like there is today. It was magazine clippings and things that we would use to decorate a locker, make a collage or kind of whatever else. So certainly um, the umbrella and the umbrella scene, I think, Mm. where there were stills of, um, as well as the shot of like her corset with his hand. Right. Like those were um, also pictures in my mind from it. I know I watched it at some point in that era. But it was not something I felt the need to own. Mm-hmm. I, I think while I would have purchased a a, a Christian Bale film <laughs> in that era, um, <laughs> he wasn't in it enough, you know, to tip that scale for me. But I was as a as a grown person now looking at it, it is packed full of like capital yeah. A actors. Yeah, everybody's in this movie. <laughs> and it was that era. I don't want to get into it too much yet, but like that era where if you were an actor, you were in a two and a half hour movie based on British literature with corsets at some point, like it was just, this was very much us in the guest room with homemade cupcakes Mm -hmm. and like a triple feature. Totally. Where in one of them was a British period piece. Totally. Um, So that's what that's, but I remembered very little. Um, and, uh, and rewatched it, uh, some yesterday and some today because boy, howdy, it's a, it's a thick piece of cake. <laughs> it, it, you feel every minute of its you two hours and 24 minutes. Every minute. minute. <laughs> um, Tobin, would you give us a little more background information, perhaps two bits of film history? Sure. So uh, there's you cannot find a lot of film history about the portrait of a lady, uh, based on the Henry James uh, novel. But so here are two here here's here are two that I have. One is that uh, Jane Campion, the director who we mentioned before, um, as a New Zealand, uh, as she's a Kiwi. Um, her previous movie, The Piano, which is probably her most famous movie uh won the palm door at the Cannes film festival the year it came out which was which is like which is the like that's the basically the top prize in film in the world <laughs> um the most prestigious prize i should say uh and won double oscars double acting oscars right for both holly hunter and um oh piano yeah piano yeah holly hunter and um anna paquin anna paquin uh, who was so cute with the beret that uh, so, kind of speechless when she got up there. Anyway, um, and Jane Campion was nominated for Best Director, the second woman ever 
to be nominated for, for best director, uh, which is great for her in some ways and uh, and terrible in terms of the commentary on who gets to make movies, particularly uh, prestige movies. The other bit of film history, like I said, there's not wasn't a lot of history, but I found this quote from uh, a film critic named Jose Solis, which I'd love to or Solis maybe um, writing in Pop Matters. If I could read this, I just think it, this this crystallizes, uh, uh, con- contextualizes Jane Campion and Jane Campion and Nicole Kidman. Um, sure. So he he writes this. He says. All of Campion's movies have made have been characterized by having strong female characters played by actresses who, before working with her, had been neglected and underused. Think about it. Before the piano, it seemed that Holly Hunter had shown us her all in the 80s, before uh, 80s period, before polarizing in the cut. Sorry, before the polarizing in the cut, Meg Ryan was seen as someone who could only play asexual sweethearts before Bright Star. No one ever would have thought. Abby Cornish had such range. And then parenthetical, sadly, no one has taken advantage of her marvelous skills since. And before she started in The Portrait of a Lady, Nicole Kidman was barely seen as something other than Tom Cruise's wife. The year before she started in Campion's adaptation of Henry James' novel, Kidman had surprised audiences with her picaresque, devilish work in To Die For. But while highlighting, but while that highlighted her vixen qualities, it was only in Campion's movie where we started realizing just how vulnerable Kidman could be on screen. So I mentioned that as a as to, to sort of firmly place uh, this movie in our it's sort of what we do. And, and we're going to I will talk a lot about Jane Campion as a filmmaker who um, brings a very unique point of view to these film, female characters and very, very female centric storylines in a way that is um, women centered storylines in a way that I think is uh, both what makes her so great and sometimes what makes the movie is kind of polarizing so thank you nice. for my... i look forward to that and I, I think you're right that's such a great um way to put in perspective kind of where uh this film is in in our world of the podcast but also mm-hmm. kind of in the time that it existed and um and what a different world when nicole kidman was tom cruise's wife mm-hmm. Um, period. And I can't even imagine a time when she was just, just. Uh, Tom Cruise's <laughs> wife, but I, but I get that reference. Um, and, and absolutely. I think to die for, I still um, comes to mind from time to time. Mm-hmm. Um, in the, I love the nineties. The nineties were great. These are great. Um, Iselin, would you please yeah. uh, take us through uh, ladies in charge, women who involved in major roles in the portrait of a lady. I would love to. So, as we've mentioned, director Jane Campion, actors Nicole Kidman, Barbara Hershey, Mary Louise Parker, Shelley Winters, Shelley Duvall, and Valentina Servi. Writer Laura Jones. Producers Ute Leonhardt and Anne Wingate. Editor, Veronica Janae. Casting, Joanna Ray. And production design and costume design, Janet Patterson. I feel like Anne Wingate is a name I've said before. It's possible. I'd have to look. A name that you for sure have, that you for sure know is Johanna Ray. 
You know what you know Johanna Ray from? No, what? You've seen her name come up a lot on screen in a show that we watched in the 90s. What? She cast Twin Peaks. <gasps> oh, fabulous. Totally. Oh, wonderful. And what a great job. And it's her son who is Shelly's husband. Uh, what's oh, his name? fun. Long hair. I can't believe him. Yes. Right? Who's, I want to say who, Leo. Yeah. Uh, yes, Leo. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yes. That seems right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, so you, you know her work very well. I do. Very, very well. <laughs> um, and I think, uh, I think uh, everyone should uh, if, if they don't already. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, yeah, I mean, just powerhouses um, of an acting team as well oh. as a lot of great folks uh, behind the scenes. So um, certainly some high quality work went into this um in case there are listeners who did not make it all the way through the <laughs> two and a half hour movie on Tobin, yes. would you give us a little plot summary here's the best i can do isabel archer a young american which is a great name but the character mm-hmm. names in this movie are to die for to take a uh Isabel Archer, a young American woman living abroad in the 19th 19th century Europe and played by Nicole Kidman, inherits a fortune and is duped into a nightmarish, oppressive marriage to John Malkovich in full dangerous liaisons mode by a supposed friend played by an icy Barbara Hershey. There's a young stepdaughter in love with Christian Bale, a cousin dying of consumption, a number of rejected suitors, and a wonderfully off-kilter Mary Louise Parker. In a world where every woman of means has so, where even a woman of means has so few choices, the portrait of a lady shows us one who makes almost exclusively bad ones. (laughs) I love it. Yeah, so that's part of it for me. It's just like, what in the... And, and and so, yeah, here's – I'm confused. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I don't know if there's a place you want to start, so you can direct us a different direction Let's if you want. But Let's so I felt direction. I felt the director in this movie from the very beginning because it opens with contemporary, mm-hmm. many young women uh, – lounging and talking like in an abyss but also kind of outside Mm -hmm. and then like in my viewing no real resolution to that it just like mists over and then goes into this period so not even like they had a book and they were reading it (laughs) right right so i felt the direction very early on yes this movie is being directed clearly which is great great Um, point and early on when we meet John Malkovich, mm-hmm. he is Creep City. Yes, totally. Yes. And it's, of course, very dangerous liaison, um, like Barbara Hershey and their like creepy conversation and groping. Right. But then when they bring Nicole Kidman in, we are shown from, like we are directed to watch her look at him with, with his arm around his daughter and like hands moving mm-hmm. and stuff that mm-hmm. I believe was meant to be unsettling and creepy. Totally. So from that into like, I'm under his spell. I'm absolutely in love with you. I did. I did not make it on that journey. <laughs> no. I, 
I stayed on a world tour and felt no inclination to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, I, that's, <laughs> there's that on a side note, I think this would be a great movie. And I, and I think because of doing this, um, for the show, I want to make a like nineties period drama bingo sheet. Ah, uh, yeah. Cause you've got yeah. consumption, You've got surprise inheritance. You know what I mean? Like you've got (laughs) full poster beds. You've got all these kind of um, indicators. But yeah, so yes, I'm confused. And I don't know the source material at all. Um, I was going to ask if you had read it. I'm not. Um, But yeah, why? Why? I mean, so why did she direct us to all the creepy and then how are we meant to understand why the choices she does make? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to me, this is a movie of really interesting scenes and moments in scenes mm-hmm. that don't always link together into a story. Like I, I, there are scenes I could pull from this and show in a class. Mm-hmm. And you would get it all in the scene because the scene itself, just like the one you're talking about where John Malkovich has his daughter on his lap and is like touching her. And it, because of the way we're seeing it, the way it's being shot, it is, it is predatory what he's doing. You you know, even even absent John Malkovich being creepy, you know, his acting It's the way it's the shots we have, which as, as you're alluding to, but I, but I, I'm completely with you. As seen as one scene to move on to the next, I would, I would be checked out of. I, I didn't yeah. feel the narrative. Like, I, what did does, I miss here? Right. What pieces, especially because her dialogue so early on, and her like we meet when we meet Nicole Kidman's character Isabel, she's rejecting a like perfectly good right man who has means, who's has um you know, all the things that she's expected to want. Right. I'm using a lot of air quotes, folks. You can't see it, but I can see it when I'm doing that. I can attest. They're here. Um, And so that, like, that's a thing I've seen, right? A a woman, um, perhaps ahead of her time or, or feeling out of place with the expectations of her. And so she's going to go another way. Right. Right. And so I was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm in it for this journey. So we know that there's this, this British Lord. We also then know that there's like handsome playboy also after her. And they mm-hmm. seem to have a pretty palpable chemistry, mm-hmm. but again, it's Vigo. And I this think is Vigo. Yep. he is a chemistry generator <laughs> Yes, you just in my in. world. Yep. Yep. Um, and so, her co- cousin's in love with her. And her cousin. <laughs> hey, Donovan yeah. is in love with her. Martin we Donovan. Know, oh, sorry, Martin Donovan. We don't know how much of a cousin he is. Like, Right, because how, other how people bring cousin? up, like, hey, do you want to try that out? And, yeah. and like it's his not father. no cousins. <laughs> yeah. It's no, I have consumption. <laughs> right, cool. yes. I just wanted to be rich. I don't, I don't, I just want to, you know. Right, but, but also, I mean, based on what we are shown in her mind. So there are a couple of like sort of fantasy sequences. And so, you know, we see him show up in those, which I think from my perspective demonstrated that there is something, there's affection that goes back and forth, whatever 
Right. However you want to categorize it. But yeah, so there's already this triangle of of men who represent different ways her life could go. Right. And it would be another thing if she sort of eschewed it all to go her own way. Right. But I, I, I just don't understand what other than morbid curiosity, like what draws her back to someone who has no thinking about in the time has no money, but lives like he has money. Mm-hmm. And is just never earnest. He's not, I don't mm-hmm. so like he doesn't have a sincere anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that just seemed like it didn't match with what I knew of this person, but so that, so that, yeah, that kind of pulled me out of it. Totally. Cause I didn't get what she was attracted to in the beginning. Because as when we get into more, because there are in addition to just being creepy, he is like straight up abusive, mm-hmm. um, and so we know of of you know predators tend to be very charismatic, right, right, and charming and manipulative, um, you know that that's how it that's how it works. That's how one can accomplish, you know, gaining power right. over somebody else. Like you right. get it. That's often the route. But that didn't. I don't know. I just don't know. We didn't, didn't see it. it. We did look there. There. So two things. One in in some of the reading that I did for this, people, uh, critics talked about what the movie doesn't use of the book. Okay. There's a whole early section, and like the movie jumps in late into the story, hmm. and so there are things, and these articles just alluded to them, but things about Isabel's upbringing and her earlier life that prime her to be a um, to be ensnared hmm. okay. by Malkovich. This is, Let's you know, that. and then yeah. the, the movie skips the part where she gets her money yeah. and marries him. Yeah. These two fundamental consequential decisions of the story are dropped from the movie. <laughs> and so no wonder we're left. And it's not like the movie is clearly broken up into first half, second half, you know, I mean, yeah. a little bit, but like you could have made that more clear if it's like, you know, two years later. And then um, wh- this makes me feel like the movie is that Jane Campion is deliberately not interested in mm. story in this movie. She's clearly so interested in texture, mm-hmm. in in touch, all the shots of hands in this movie. Um, the scene that you, you described early on where we see. Isabel, she's by herself in her room and she has the vision of all the of these three men who are who are infatuated with her in one way or another, touching her. She's lying on this bed and kissing her and everything. And before she even lies down, she, she this bed has is a is a canopy bed with some fringe along the top. And she like runs her face through the fringe as she's touching her lips. And that's one of the images that that's so stuck with me mm-hmm. because it feels so true and specific and all the yearning that she has and, like, and erotic the, and erotic and the possibility and all that stuff. And then their hands all show up in the frame. And I mean, it's this kind of masterful scene yeah. to show us her interior life and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, but, but the movie feels so weighted into, and, and I, and one of the things I admire about Jane Campion is she makes movies, damn it, the way she wants to make them. And like, you have to take them on the terms with which she, with, sure. with which she makes them for my taste. This leans, this weighs, the scene work 
too heavily over the story. And so I'm not, I'm not, I have to re-engage with mm -hmm. Nicole Kidman emotionally every time a scene comes up and she's in a scene. Okay, now where is she at? Okay, I have to in invest now. And then the next scene, I'm like, okay, I'm out of it. I don't know what she's doing. And then I have to reinvest, which gets exhausting. That's to me why yeah. I think it feels as long as it does. I broke it up over three nights because <laughs> it was, I just couldn't, yeah. I just couldn't do it, um, which is too bad. I mean, yeah. you know, but that's what, that's a movie she made. So. Sure. And I think in that, um, the scene you described that you had remembered I, I, is, as I was watching it, I was like, yes, this is you know fantastic. I get, yeah. I get what's happening here. And also likely a great way to translate something that was inner dialogue from mm -hmm. the book. Right, right, into right. Into a different medium. And then much later, so like 48 hours later for you, <laughs> um, getting in the car with Pansy, her stepdaughter, mm -hmm. and Pansy has the flowers, and then she's like mm -hmm. doing the same thing, sort of like mm -hmm. lightly rubbing them on her face, and totally. she sees that, and I was like, oh yeah, totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. So, like, and and also, I just want to say, all the performances so good. It, People are so good in this movie. So that's why I'm just befuddled <laughs> because on the one hand, there's a lot of quality work in all and you know it was had some technical nominations um as well Austin as acting design. nominations mm -hmm. and yet if you said hey do you want to watch this movie again i would say <laughs> no thank you yeah yeah I don't but um performances outstanding nicole kidman yes can we talk about mary louise parker please, please can we say this is another this is a performance that has stuck with me always since this movie too Totally. And so, we, so tell me, we yeah. have loved her, have we not? We have. We've been MLP fans. Decades now. Oh, so long. Um, so, yeah, it was a breath of fresh and also jarring. <laughs> yes. Because yes. I think just as Jane Campion will always make the movie she wants to make. <laughs> yes. <laughs> MLP is going to play it MLP style. It's totally. a little bit like I equate it to like a Jeff Goldblum where uh -huh. Uh -huh. he's a great yes. actor and he's going to play the part, but there's going to be a thick layer of Goldblum on it. <laughs> yes. And I don't Shalactin know if yes. Goldblum. I don't know if um, male actors are more likely to do that or are more um, likely to get away with it or you know what <laughs> or i can think of that or whatever yeah more encouraged yeah um more with men than i can with women but um but yeah because she is in the best way this is mary louise parker's interpretation of this character <laughs> yes, um, yes. and and i loved it and sometimes i did not think it fit <laughs> also her as much as the costuming and stuff were great, the way that her glasses sat on her face was very yep. um, distracting for me. Totally. These are such sense memories for me. All of her <laughs> scenes and those glasses and they're, when they're looking at the like caskets or the, you know, yes, the, and the they keep touching them. Which is such a, all of these scenes are such microcosms for women and the rules and mm -hmm. the, and they're, and they're looking, they're looking at like. Relics. Like women. Yeah, like relics, but women who have been locked up in these like yeah. things, you know, like it's 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 so beautifully done. It just doesn't add up to as much as I think it should. I I, I Mary Louise Parker in this she feels so modern in this movie, mm -hmm. which is I and think that's part, part of, of what she represents, right? Right, totally. And and I and I think that it's 
kind of a wonderful, as you say, a breath of fresh air in this movie. So the think one of the odd things for me about Henry James is so often is that he's a he's an American writer, and these are Americans, but mm-hmm. in Europe. Some of them are played by Europeans, which then makes the accent a little right. But but like we're hearing elevated, like things we think we're used to hearing these this kind of dialogue in British accents, mm-hmm. and seeing these kind of costumes with British accents. And these these people are, I mean, Martin Donovan is not British, and you know, like his character's not either. Like he's not being British. Yeah. And so and so they are all, and, but she in particular has this. Very modern. And and I, in the end, I love it because it breathes such life into these things. But you're yeah. right. It is. It does stick out mm-hmm. of the of the movie. Um, and I sort of wanted to see not her movie, but like her and Nicole Kidman go on and go on adventures together. Say, I think if we had seen the world from which uh, Henrietta is bringing her self. Right, right. And we saw that kind of more American side of things. Um, so now that you say that, I'm going to be openly confused okay. about who is meant to be European and who is not. Okay. So old, old man who gave her the money. Right. Um, Martin Donovan's father. Right. British. This is one of the tough ones. I don't know if he's supposed to be British. Is John Gielgud is a old timey British, famous, famous British actor. Mm-hmm. And he's not trying to not do a British accent. Yeah. And they talk about London with him a lot. So yeah. I, I can't tell. See, I thought Martin Donovan was supposed to be British. Oh, really? And that they, in, I don't know. In any case. Um, why, why, why would you hire Martin Donovan and not let him do an accent if he's going to be British? But I don't know. Lord Warburton. Warburton. Again, these Warburton names are awesome. Is British. Yes. Richard E. Grant plays Lord Warburton. He's for sure British. Yeah. And he was, he was so good. I did not recognize him. Yeah. Because I love him. And he's so young. He's so young. Yeah. And yeah. Vigo's so young. And Vigo's, Vigo's American. And Henrietta is like, hey, Vigo, jump on this boat with me. And we'll surprise her, which he was like, I'm sorry, <laughs> like yes, cross continental travel. Just, no, thank you. I don't even want you to drop by without letting me know. Um, OK, Barbara Hershey. Yeah. French. Yes. OK. And then uh, what's his name? Because she is Madame. She's Mer. Madame Mer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then. John Malkovich. Who the fuck knows? Okay. I mean, is the, this is another actor you hire and he just plays John Malkovich. I mean, you know. Yes, he I, walked off the set of Dangerous Liaisons and walked into onto this, this movie. Set, and like nothing happened. I think it's such a mistake. I think casting him was such a mistake in this movie. I Tell think me that, more. I think because he had done, it's not that he's not good at this, at playing this character, but A, he had done this so completely before like Mm -hmm. and and again this may be because that is one of my favorite movies and it is that is burned into my brain that performance but he's but he had done it so recently and so well and 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 then not only that but they he as you say and and part of this might be jane campion's direction because so often in her movies the men are so devious and like clearly vile like it's a it's a thing she captures really really well is like the dangers of men 
Mm-hmm. And so great. But when you This is like putting, you know, like frosting on frosting. It's like Malkovich plus that. So if they had had an actor who was, as you're describing, more overtly non-menacing charming and then Mm -hmm. shot in this very menacing way, that would have been, I think, an interesting sort of contrast as opposed to someone who is playing menacing, menacing and is being shot menacingly. Interesting. I like that idea. I think along with that he had done this before and that we like, so another dangerous liaison's comparison, because that is also, I mean, I think I've probably seen cruel intentions more than I've seen dangerous liaisons, <laughs> oh, but no. the overall story is there. Um, <laughs> it's Barbara Hershey. It's Madame Merrill mm-hmm. who gets us into this mess. Totally. And then pieces out for most of the movie. And I think that was what was difficult for me, too, was like understanding was her goal just to set up her baby daddy with the money he was living like he had. I didn't her motivation got muddled to me. I I deduced pretty early on that she was Pansy's mother. And she was Pansy's mother. From the glove scene, I was like, oh, I get what this is. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I don't know if I was meant to or not. Because we we discover it together with Nicole Kidman later. Right, right. But so that was the part I was like, OK, so you've set this whole thing into motion for mm-hmm. reasons unknown. Mm-hmm. And then for a while, at least, is not doesn't appear to us on the chessboard. Right, right. But then comes back in for all the Christian Bale stuff and that. But I, so I didn't, I didn't entirely understand her motivations. No. And not to again compare it to Dangerous Liaisons, but no, the motivations are so um, uh, clear in that. And part of it is mm-hmm. game playing and part of it is like, you beat me once. And so I'm like, it, it's not all, it's like, it's not always clear, but it becomes clear and it's part of the point of the thing. And this Again, the movie seems less interested in that. And I think if the narrative held together more, I would be with Nicole Kidman more. And so in those the, the realizations of those betrayals, I would piece I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be bothered that we didn't have motivation as much as I am when I'm grasping for anything, why right. things are happening, why I'm moving from this scene to the next scene. And I don't know always why. And so I'm just left without uh, much to grab onto, which is. And I love, I think Barbara Hershey's great in the movie. Yeah, I agree. But um, I don't also know. Also very kind of layered and, uh, <laughs> sorry, Toots is squeaking, a sort of slow burn performance. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, I don't, because that, yeah, I just, because then way later. So the first time she and Osmond are together the first time we see them together is she's like, Hey, I know this woman. She's coming mm-hmm. to a lot of money, like wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And then they're a little bit gropey, gropey with each other. And she brings this opportunity to him or whatever. And then much later, she's also, um, I guess maybe it is that we are seeing that she is also ensnared and a victim of his abuse Affected, right exactly right, um, right, right and so maybe that clears it up um i mean it doesn't it clear loud, it up but, but it, <laughs> it is an explanation and it is it is an interesting again it's an interesting scene where you where he makes some comment about her crying when she's not and then she does and he's you can see the 
she's been she's been playing his game, playing a game for him, destroying mm-hmm. people's lives in the process, and it's catching up with her. And this is the, one of the things Jane Campion is so good at is like you have this character who's been pretty villainous in this movie who you suddenly see like that is taking a toll and then mm-hmm. the humanity of that. And that's the thing that these and again, this, I think, is a strength of the movie is that the male characters do not get <laughs> in her movies sure. like right? yeah. like that redemption, that 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 bit of humanity is not there. And I think that, that can be a very powerful thing to have in a movie. It's just that. It's not connected. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I don't feel it as emotional. I feel it intellectual, intellectually mm-hmm. in those scenes. I'm like, oh, I see what's happening here. Not, oh, I feel this. That's you know? a good distinction to make. Yeah. I mean, I did love, I, it's at least three times in the movie that she says something to the effect of, oh, don't worry about it. I'll talk to that person for you. <laughs> yes. right? Yeah. Don't trust nobody who wants their no. fingers in everybody's business. <laughs> Seriously. Come on Seriously. now. Seriously. This is why we needed, you know, yeah. cell phones. <laughs> totally. <laughs> BT dubs. <laughs> not on mail. What? Not, I don't know. Not so much. Um, so speaking of his, so I, there are a couple of different, of course, um, terrible moments with with Osmond, but mm-hmm. there's a scene in particular where he like trips her and and pushes her around and hits her several times. All terrible, all mm-hmm. examples of abuse. Yep. And also simultaneously, the other the other level that is it's not more or less; it's just kind of also insidious yeah um and something i don't think we talk about enough is the pure gaslighting that's going on mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and he um i mentioned a uh, a website the um the hotline.org has mm-hmm. an amazing page all about gaslighting okay yeah it gives so many examples yeah and different ways that it's done and so i encourage people to go look at that if that's a phrase that you're you're not familiar with i mean it it I know you are too, when I'm, when I try to do it for our listeners, Mm -hmm. that it comes from theater, Mm -hmm. um, but that, you know, you're crazy. That never happened. Or are you sure you have a bad memory? It's all in your head. Like twisting the scenario to make it, to make change your reality and question themselves. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, And there are different, you know, doesn't equal four. When, where did you go to school? You know? Yes. And I feel Yes, lit a lot these days. <laughs> yes, it's going on. Um, but in any case, if that's um, it is absolutely a component of of unhealthy mm. relationships of all kinds. I don't. It's mm. not unique to romantic relationships. I think right. um, it's a tactic used in a lot of different ways. But that was what I think that was the as an an audience member mm-hmm. that was the pain from Nicole Kidman that I really felt Mm. was Mm -hmm. her because at the beginning she did have such a sense or I felt at least she had such a sense of this is my plan. This is what I want to do. This is what the world is about. And, and I am confined, but here are my places of freedom. And she sort of had it mapped out and she's been so, um, you know, mentally beaten down. Yeah to kind of have lost that sense of herself in the world. And that in her performance, I think was, um, was outstanding. It 
that it happened was terrible, but her performance of it was really evocative, I thought. Right. And it and it's not just in her. We get all these great close ups of her and we see her in those moments, like trying to f- trying to match her reality to what she's being told or what she knows, what she has, what she has witnessed and experienced to what she's told and wanting to adjust what she saw to what he's telling her. I mean, mm-hmm. and the, and that the pain of that, of having to shift your reality in that way to match this thing, this other person. And it also gets reflected in her costume and, and their hair. And, you know, she starts the movie with this kind of frizzy, a little bit mm-hmm. frizzy hair, the great Nicole Kidman hair, you know, and she's in, in um, she's confined in her clothes, like, we're, but you know, like, but they're, but they're a little more free flowing. And then when we get to the second half of the movie, when she is married to him, she's in these like much more constrictive straight. I don't know a lot about, fashion but these these straight lines and almost like armor like she's cinched down and she has these like jewels around in her hair and in her whatever and her hair's all tightly down and you know everything has been kind of cinched and Mm -hmm. tightened and it 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 does such an it's so effective as a way of communicating what's happened to her spirit while also what's happened to her station i mean she's wealthy now so so it, it reads as both things as kind of wealth and confinement. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that that's just sort of, and then she, as you say, she plays within that. So well, um, this is great. It's great silhouette shots. There's one where she's walking into, is it walking into a church or near the, near the, near the end. I mean, it's two hours into the movie. It's not near the end. She walks into this church and it moves into slow motion as she's walking in. Oh, and yeah. You see her almost silhouetted in the clothes and you can see it's, um, it's just such a great use of slow motion, not as like a power thing, but as a, like, I'm in, like, I think I'm being powerful, but I'm in like molasses walking, like just such great kind of filmmaking in that way. But, um, uh, so we should talk about Christian Bale. Can I move to Christian Bale? Please. So of the things you remembered from this movie, how much of, how much of Christian Bale's performance did you remember? And did this match? your memory at all i remembered him standing against walls which happened a couple of times with teacups happened a couple of times. <laughs> yep. i remembered his um striking brow and his um boyish red cheeks which is mm-hmm. something he had a lot in the 90s, the 90s and i loved yep. um And as I was watching or as I was waiting for him to come on screen, honestly, I was thinking about it. And I remembered that when um, Pocahontas, the Disney animated Pocahontas, Mm -hmm. came out and he was in it, that was the first time he had used his actual accent. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. So my guess was going to be that we were not going to get Welsh Christian Bale. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, so I remember the look, the suit, and then in the, the bars when mm-hmm, they're outside right. and he's like yelling, I, I remembered those pieces. Um, but I didn't, it took me till he came on screen to remember like what his piece was about. Um, mm-hmm. how did you find Christian Bale in this? <laughs> Charming as ever. Um, this is also my favorite uh, Eric Christian Bale, as 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 we've discussed before. Um, this is also we should note a reunion with Barbara Hershey. They were both in Swing Kids together. Um, <laughs> another movie I've not watched since high school, but I saw a lot more than this. <laughs> but I but I need to revisit. Have you seen it recently? 
No, I was just going to say, then you fast oh. forward and Martin Donovan and Mary Louise Parker are oh, um, in weeds. Together in Saved. Oh. And sorry. then in weeds. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, those two make sense in all these things together. Like, those two actors make a lot. Oh, yeah. They make a, there's a lot of like underplay. And that was the party you'd want to go to, really, no, with totally. the one that consumption kid and henrietta were <laughs> totally totally yeah totally also in totally. my head this is where nicole kidman got the consumption that she had a moulin rouge <laughs> yes i did you know as she when when she goes to visit martin donovan as martin donovan is dying or as john malkovich says he's been dying for years i mean it's a terrible thing but it's also true it's been his like defining characteristic as a character through this whole thing yeah. but he's when he's finally is di- is close to death and she like crawls in bed with him and they have this big kiss and i i did google i stopped the movie and googled how infectious is how contagious is tb and it turns out it's it's not easy to get so uh, although breathing in droplets that are expelled by someone who's coughing or sneezing or, you know, with consumption can give it to you. Um, so so anyway, but I did have that thought like, what, what are you doing? <laughs> Heightened by the, you know, the time we're living in, of course. Right, era, yes. Uh, um, but it was a, you know, it is one of these things that in these movies, as soon as anybody coughs into a handkerchief, you kind of go, ooh, <laughs> they're, they're marked. Right. I mean, that's kind of a, a shorthand in these uh in these movies. Um, but I thought, so Christian Bale, I think, so he's playing the, the Keanu Reeves equivalent. If we're, if we're talking about dangerous liaisons. Yeah. Um, and I think that um, I would love to have seen him in dangerous liaisons. Like that would have been an interesting, like in that character. I think that would have been, cause I like, I like his like fresh faced. I'm trying to, you know, uh, yeah. um, heart on his sleeve, like trying yes. to do this, like trying to the purity of him in this movie. And sort of representing that shift of hmm. of it the the relationship could be about or should be about or whatever love and right and M- right mutual affection and not necessarily p- pure station and politic right. station and like, money and politics right politics yeah right yeah. although as little women reminds us uh <laughs> For women yeah. in particular, always an economic proposition. Um, I kept thinking of that too, honestly. Yeah. That the addition of that monologue in Little Women that Florence Pugh had, spelling out the things that we knew <laughs> from the story, right. but from all these stories, right. I think was such a if if there was nothing else good about that movie, and there were, yeah. and we did a podcast on it. You can listen yeah, to it. Just listen to it. But if it gave us nothing else, that mm-hmm. articulation mm-hmm. is worth all the hullabaloo, I think. Not to make us so not to re capitulate our uh, little women, but um our little women show. But uh my six year old has been we've been she's been watching the trailer. She saw the trailer once and wants to watch it all the time. And so uh, we had a night with just her here the other day and we watched we finally watched Little Women. She's been wanting to watch it forever. And she, you know, there's a lot of it that's like, yeah, she doesn't get, but she stuck with it and like guessed at what was happening, not because of the words as much, because people are using, you know, elevated mm-hmm. language dialect she doesn't understand, but the way it's made it's so clear who's where and who likes who and who is having trouble with who and how it all to get, comes together. And it's like, it was just so cool to, see, awesome. to see her sort of love that movie 
in a different way, you know, not as much as I do maybe yet, but really yeah. like it. And, you know, did um, she, anyway, sorry, so. now we're going to tangent, but That's when, right. when Lori comes to Joe and was like, no, really, let's do this. Be with me. And she's like, I can't, you can't ask me to do that. Blah, blah. What was her reaction to that? So she is a very princess oriented. Right. She's in that phase. And so, the thing she was most excited going into the movie for two things. One, there's a there's an image in the trailer of Saoirse Ronan of Joe burning her old manuscript. Mm-hmm. And she loved that image. It was so curious. Like mm-hmm. she's lit this fire and she's burning something. And then the other one is the is the um, she knows Emma Watson from um, as Belle and Hermione. And so seeing her get married, her wedding, the shots of her wedding okay. in the trailer, she's like, Belle's going to get married. You know, and so she was confused. And in that scene, it was such a good and we paused and we talked about it and, you know, about oh, all I the, wish choice, I was there. the choices you get to have in life. Isn't this cool? And you can choose whatever you want and you don't have to do what people think you need to do. And blah, blah, blah. But she was a little, I think, a little sad. As was I as a kid. Been, right. Right. And right? I think it was the first time that in a, you know, movie or play or anything that I had seen that gave you the first half first part of the equation. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think of like sound of music and uh, my fair lady and any of the things that we had seen Mm -hmm. where yes, there's, there's tension or there's whatever, but we have fun together. And then we figure out that we're in love and (laughs) we're meant to be romantic partners. And this was the first piece of anything that I had Mm -hmm. that gave me the first half and did not give me the second half. Right. Right. It's Um, rad. I mean, it's radical in terms of what the media that's pitched to Mm -hmm. her gender and age group. It is a, this is, it's a radical thing. Uh, she, She was very happy that she, that Joe got to kiss the, guy at the end sure. <laughs> and there is something really nice about that resolution yeah, even as the right. movie it's like what the audience wanted it's what right? we want which is yeah. you know but then the other cool thing is then at the end of the movie when she's negotiating when joe is negotiating the terms of her book deal mm-hmm. and you know we've been talking a lot with my daughter about negotiation because she's dealing with her brother at home all the time and we have to negotiate things like negotiation is thing. And she, she picked up, Oh, they're negotiating is like, she figured oh, out awesome. what they're doing. And then to see Joe like puzzle through, but I want to own my book. And she's like, right. Cause it's hers. I'm like, yes. Oh, so awesome. anyway, uh, parenthetical. <laughs> my... well, I'm glad y'all picked that one instead of this one. Cause this one would have been much <laughs> yeah. more difficult to explain. Well, much different lessons. And, um, we would have taken us a lot, lo- a lot longer to get through it. Uh, which is, which is too bad. Um, we, we, we would be remiss if we didn't mention the, the Shelleys of this movie, oh, Shelley Duvall and Shelley Winters. Yes, <laughs> yes it was Shelley, Shelley upon Shelley. And I, I feel like just like um, John Malkovich walked off one set, walked onto another. I feel like Shelley Duvall the same way. She <laughs> yes. had those rag curls in for something else and just kept them. Totally. And I don't, I don't know all of her work. Most of the work I know of her is playing an insider outsider. Like mm-hmm. she seems to be an aristocratic misfit. Right, right. Professionally. <laughs> and um, and I don't know if it's because I've seen this in like young adulthood. Right. And that framed it for me. But um, 
I do, I do love that this character that everyone seems to kind of dismiss and tolerate then is the one speaking the truth mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. kind of taking down the curtain on some things later. And and I think she did that beautifully with this poor little dog. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, so fun to see, it's so fun to see her in things. I, she has a, such a unique energy, like all these people were talking about that, you know, um, and then Shelly Winters, who, I think was most known as a more as for, for, for comedy than mm. necessarily for drama. But the thing I know her best from is a movie called night of the hunter, where she plays a woman who's gaslit into a marriage by this traveling preacher who ends up spoiler alert, killing her. The movie then is about her kids who are very young, finding the money that he killed her for after he married her and like going on the run with this money from this, like, Ooh. It's such a good movie. It's really, really good. Um, but so she has a history too of this kind of, and that's a pretty iconic performance for her um, in, in a, in a, in a well, like well-regarded movie. So there's some, there's an echo of that here that she shows up, um, uh, you know, on the other sort of side of the equation, here, yeah. but in the, in a similar kind of story, storyline here, it was a nice, for sure. That's the thing Jane Campion knew, you know I mean? Mm-hmm. That, that is, you don't do that by accident. Pull Shelley Winters out, out of the air to be, you know, Madam Gemini or Countess Gemini or whatever in this movie. I mean, yeah, just so stacked with great people, but um, I enjoyed both of the Shelleys. And then I think the only is the only other um, main character we haven't talked about too much is, is Pansy. Right. Um, who, who had more to do than I thought mm-hmm. in the first hour. <laughs> we meet her toward the end of the first hour. Um, my other favorite parts of, the people finally kind of telling the truth and the reveal of what's going on yeah. were little moments with just Nicole Kidman and, and Pansy. Mm-hmm. And so like I mentioned, there was in the car and they were talking and there are times too, when Nicole Kidman is saying the things that she is supposed to say, mm-hmm. but it's the feeling I get is that they both know Right. That she's not right. actually advocating she for doesn't this. Believe she's parroting right. what she's meant to. And so they, they kind of become, they're having a different conversation than they're having. Right. Um, and then I just, I did though, really. So Nicole Kidman wants to go to London to visit her dying cousin. Uh-huh. Um, and also in my thought, just get away because it's gotten like, impossible to live in suffocating right suffocating her scenario in the meantime um john malkovich has sent his daughter back to the convent to think about what she's done and what she wants to do because she (sighs) did not entice the lord not the lord but lord (laughs) who had tried in the opening of the movie tried to pitch himself to nicole (laughs) kid right and arguably the whole time Love Nicole Kidman, but right. everyone sure. had something oh, to say sure. about that. It was all too close for comfort anyway. For also, sure. like, so super creepy that he walks into a party and then is interested in the daughter of totally someone his age group. So gross. But and talks um, about like to talks to to Martin Donovan about how there's an age difference. I mean, twenty years. Like, I mean, he he calls this out. Right. The thing. It's, it's like, oh, dude. And still something where you know. All dealing with, dealing with and, and to be mm-hmm. clear, an age difference doesn't bother me when everyone's an adult. Right. But 
when you're fresh from the convent and a teenager. Yeah, where Pansy is. Um, But clearly, under her father's thumb. Um, So he sends her away. She wants to marry Christian Bale, who isn't even that poor. Like, we're talking about money. Right, right. He's getting 40 pounds a year. Then he turned into 50. Her whole inheritance was 70. So explain to me money. But yeah. That's I don't understand money anyway. Um, Nicole Kidman decides she's going to disobey her husband's wishes. She's going to go to London. She stops at the convent to ask Pansy to go with her mm-hmm. or to say she's leaving and then invites her to come. Mm-hmm. And God, I wish she had just gone. Yeah. Right. The idea yep. of just, OK, let's get to another country yep. and then you know, do there, but I, but I wondered, and I don't know if she was married at that point and had been for several years and so entangled with him, Mm -hmm. would there be any way for her to get, to maintain any of her money? Right. I I mean, my guess is not, but I mean, the, I think the ending of the movie gives us a clue, at least how Jane camp, I I don't know what the law would be like. Oh, okay. Go ahead. So you tell me what happens at the end of the movie. (laughs) So the movie starts, as we said, in this like Edenic, all women talking about kissing. And it's this like pure imagining of a of a of some kind of utopia. It feels like like they're dancing. It's as you say, it's like in some kind of ether space. They're having this like, romantic discussions about physical intimacy. And at the end of the movie, she finally has a kiss that's close to what's been described in that opening if this is a movie about a woman who starts with these kind of independent but also romantic illusions that then has them destroyed (laughs) that then she she on screen we see her with vigo in the garden have this like passion the strings are playing like it plays as romantic Mm -hmm. and then she runs away and runs to this door to go inside and can't and then turns to us and the movie ends and I, there is something that's always so uh, not always so often, so pessimistic and unromantic mm-hmm. about Jane Campion's movies, hmm. particularly vis-a-vis male, female relationships. And again, this is not a criticism. I think this is a, I think this is great because as we were talking about with little women, we have so many idealized romanticized stories. So to see something that's not that that's sort of so deliberately, not that I think is kind of refreshing the movies to me. If, if this is a movie of the, the, the message of this movie is as I, as I kind of made a joke about in the synopsis in the world in which Nicole Kidman lives, mm-hmm. even with all the choices that she has given her financial independence, she really doesn't have any. Mm-hmm. Yeah that that's what the end of the movie then is telling us is that she is trapped. This woman is trapped. And how much of it is society has trapped her. John Malkovich has trapped her. She's trapped herself. Like there's a lot of it's John Malkovich, but I think the movie is telling us that it's not just him. There's Mm. all this other architecture going on that is keeping her trapped this way, that, that her independence is an illusion in, in a lot of ways. And I think that um, that's the, for me, that's the chilling part of the ending. That's the portrait of a lady. Yeah. <laughs> now, I I will say just here that the, the movie that I would love us to cover of Jane Campion's, if we ever get to revisit her again, is the movie Bright Star with Abby Cornish. Have you seen Bright Star? I have not. I would be interested in it because 
I have one because I'd like to see a different Jane Campion movie. Yeah. Um, and two, because as I think we've discussed a little bit here, I have not yet found a performance that makes me believe in Abby mm-hmm. Cornish as an actor, mm-hmm. as a human. Mm-hmm. I don't know her. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so if that's what I would get, I would be definitely interest open to that because I have not yet been satisfied. I I've, I show it occasionally in a class. I have a poster of it on my wall in my office. And Ooh. I once brought in um, noted film and cultural scholar and Helen Peterson into class to discuss it after we watched it oh, um, cool. in a class uh, a year or so ago. Um, it is as romantic as Jane. So it's, it's ostensibly a, um, uh, I won't go on, on forever, but it is a, it is a, um, a John Keats biopic. Oh, okay. Uh, but it's about and from the point of view of his quote unquote muse, even though that word's not used in his, but her, and he wrote the poem bright star. I, I think about her um, and she, Abby Cornish is so good in the movie and it is deliciously romantic and full of longing and you're in, in beautiful. It's just beautiful. It's a beautiful movie with all, all the same off kilter performances, but it hangs together as a story in a way that for me, portrait doesn't. And even though, spoiler alert john keats is a tragic story like he 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 does not live long um but he is but there's a but there's a um it's a it's not as pessimistic about the possibility of um relationships between people of of various uh genders so anyway uh someday i hope we get to cover bright star um but we've started with the portrait of a lady (laughs) yes i would be interested in that as well um Sorry, you mentioned uh, a different. What were you? Oh, the Bar- was Barbara Hershey in a no Shelley Winters movie with mm-hmm. um, Night of the Hunter, where she is um, gaslighted. Oh, um, sorry, yes. <laughs> so each year, an estimated twelve hundred women are murdered as a result of domestic violence. Um, is that just the United States? Yes. Uh, so three women a day, um, also resulting in two million injuries um which is why and this is something that was this is something i would say before we were in a different kind of pandemic mm-hmm. <laughs> that mm-hmm. um the work the work that i do in in prevention and response to gender-based violence um a lot of the funding streams mm-hmm. come through the cdc which is interesting center for disease control and violence why? And it's because at the rate that all this shit is happening, it is considered an a pandemic. Huh, uh-huh. So that's wow. that, that I am more likely to be harmed by um, a loved one, right, or perceived loved one, than in a typical whatever than right, some right, right. you know disease or whatever else. Um, like that's the state of emergency that we're. <laughs> Under. And we watch, I should say, I watch, I, from the position of privilege that I have as I watch this movie and say, oh, that was really bad a long time ago. And I know intellectually, mm. really bad now too, but like sure. the superiority with which some of us, just by virtue of our privilege, watch mm-hmm. a thing and think, oh, this was a thing that happened. And it, clearly it's not because the movie also contextualizes it in present tense in some ways with these flashbacks and stuff too. And I know because I, I 
talk to you and I we look talk at the to world each other. and I, and I, and I don't say that to be, to be a bummer, but I think just no. as a reminder that the issues covered here are relevant today. And I think that that's, I think it's so, I'm so glad you said that. And it is, um, uh, it is a, the, the more things change, they more, the, they, the more time goes on and the, how much progress is actually made is the thing that I think one needs to, we all should keep, um, uh, checking in on. Absolutely. But the difference is we're talking about it. Mm, mm, mm -hmm, right. Um, mm -hmm. but the honest to goodness leads to my game. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I texted Tobin earlier and I was like, Ooh, I'm having trouble. Speaking of muses, the, um, the whimsy muse was, was having a sleepy day. Because the, the domestic violence is truly what stuck with me. Mm -hmm. And um, as you've described things about Jane Campion's work and and um, messaging and things, I think I now better understand why it was so, mm -hmm. um, so close up. It was so, such so there were um, intimate scenes of abuse. Mm -hmm. Right. And I, yep. I, I now better understand that that was absolutely what she meant to demonstrate to us. But made me think about domestic violence, made me think about the resources I have, and it made me think about language. Mm, I like language. We use, I know you do, and you love a good idiom. I do. So many of the, um, also other, I don't know, your English major, other words like idiom, like mm -hmm. not metaphor, but, but you know, other turns of phrase, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. idioms are what I'm going to use to tell me if I'm wrong. Um, but there's so much violence in them. Ah, uh, okay, right. So, for instance, killing two birds with one stone. <laughs> so I have written down, taken from a list of like 50, okay. like eight idioms. Okay, okay. And I would like, to, since you have a degree in English. I do. I would love it if you would um, pitch for us an alternative. <laughs> okay. So, for instance, okay. the alternative to killing two birds with one stone feeding two birds with one scone <laughs> do they have to rhyme because that's I should say, they really don't have good. to rhyme okay, okay that one happens too bonus bonus um, points if they rhyme exactly but so okay. um will you do a couple of these with me yes, and i absolutely. have not tried them okay um so i am also happy to um play along if you want do you want me to send you the document i wish we so had can... Derek heckman here i feel like he would oh, be really good at this he could play online with us yes yes you could um tweet us do you want to see the list or just audio i think uh, just let me try just audio okay. see how it goes so first one is beating a dead horse okay so beating a dead horse means you're you're going on and on in a thing that you you know and not getting any farther how about this how about um Trudging up a hill backwards. Ooh, stop trudging up that hill backwards. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, but I, I'm going to go with it. I'm going to go with it. I like that one. I think that that makes me think of a, another cliche that I like is that you um you can't move forward while looking backwards. Uh huh. Uh huh. Maybe, um, it's, maybe it's that you can't trudge up backwards up a hill or something like that. Yeah. Stop. Stop trying to trudge backwards up a hill. Yeah, that's what it is. Stop trying to trudge backwards. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Um. There's more than one way to skin a cat. Oh, I hate that one. I hate that one so right? much. That's so Let's gross. Let's come up with a different one. There's more than one way to shave there's, a dog. There's more than one way to make a hat. Oh, <gasps> yes. 
Thanks for the rhyme. For the rhyme. I love it. Here is one I feel like we heard a lot as kids. I don't know why. (laughs) Bang for your buck. (laughs) So getting getting the most for the least uh, resource expended. Bang for your buck. (laughs) Okay, bang for your buck. I'm going to say... uh, get a lot of plane for your truck. <laughs> okay. Makes less know. sense, but it does rhyme. But it does rhyme. <laughs> um, sometimes folks say getting away with murder to mean getting away with some, something, pulling one over on someone. That kid is just getting away with murder. Is Acting out without getting in trouble. What would we, right. what could we say without it being murderous? Okay. Um, let's say, uh, um, oh, this is a harder one. Um, that kid is, that kid is, got one. Okay. I don't know. Stains don't stick to that kid. Ooh. I don't know. <laughs> I like that one. Okay. Do a couple more? Yeah, yeah. This is fun. Bite the bullet. Okay, so you say bite the bullet if it's the thing you have to do and you don't want to do. Mm-hmm. So you do the th- you do it anyway, right? You're gonna um so uh <laughs> okay. <laughs> the thing that came to mind yeah. is pretty crude. It's pretty okay. crude. I'm not sure it's much better, but I'm going to say it anyway. Clench the sphincter. (laughs) See, and I was going to say swallow the pill. (laughs) It just feels like you're trying to, you know, tense it up, right? I think of it as as get it done. But if you tighten the sphincter, aren't you not going to get it done? (laughs) Well, I guess it's like. Like girding your loins, right? Like it's, I, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's down there. All right. So I see what you're saying. This is more like you do it because you get have it over to with. get it over with. All right. So that would be a sphincter. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it would be. It would be okay. So you had to get it over with. Um, it's going to be. Um, uh, um. Oh, I mean, rip off the band aid. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, I guess. How about just step up? Yes, and then if the person is still hesitant, you say step up to the streets. <laughs> yes, there you go. Well, All right, you get, more. You get a thing for that one. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so this one I feel like is something. Speaking of spunky little sisters, as we have been, mm-hmm. she's a pistol. That one. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, Having been called one myself a few times. She's a snapdragon. Ooh. Is a snapdragon a flower? Yeah. Okay. I wasn't sure. I like it. And she's a snapdragon. She's a snapdragon. You know, oh, it's like, snapdragon. It works saucy, cool. you know, like, yeah. Yeah. Sassy. Um, I like, uh, I like, oh, you put your sassy pants on today. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's good. That's, that's classic Iceland right there. Yeah, because and I really I like it in that it's non-gendered. Anyone can wear pants if they choose. And if we were um, across the pond at one of (laughs) Kidman's homes, it would mean underwears, which I think is even funnier. 
I also like, just I shared that news with my six-year-old as well. Just last or two nights ago, we we're talking about what pants would mean. Put on oh, your pants. funny. Yeah. Did, yeah. They, did they think that was silly she, that pants and underwear? Very funny. Yeah. Very funny. Wait and till you um, talk about Fanny. Fanny means China <laughs> in some places. So. And also the name of Abby Cornish's character in Bright Star. It just, the universe just is coming together. Okay. Very last one. And okay. this is one I truly want a different one for because I inadvertently say this all the time. Okay. Okay. I'm trying to get some of these things. Let's be honest. Some of these uh, are meaningful. Some are not. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's just interesting to look at the everyday phrases we use with a different lens. Totally. and And just see, oh, there is a lot of of violence in benign conversation. And so right. how is that what we want and what are other choices? That's all I'm saying. So one that comes to my mind a lot is gun shy. Mm. Oh, the last time I was in that meeting, it went pretty bad. So I'm kind of gun shy to bring that up. And I've caught myself saying that mm-hmm. and just explaining I am hesitant, right. but I would right. love a phrase for that. Right. So the one that comes to mind, which I don't think is right, but a place to start is wobbly need. Oh, yes. <laughs> but that makes it sound like you're scared, which is not yeah. the same thing as being hesitant. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and and so. Uh, the one I thought of was like getting a gulping or a, a lump in your throat of like, oh, that gave me a gulp. <laughs> <That's> not, <laughs> <laughs> like big gulp means something else. So I right, don't know. right, right. Um I, I, I sometimes say I'm getting sweaty and that's what I mean. It's like, I'm nervous, I'm hesitant or uncomfortable. Like, Oh, that makes me sweaty. That's also not cute. I, you, uh, you can say you're riding the brake. Ooh, yes. I'm riding the brakes on that one. Cause it was, I got to stop riding the brakes. Cause that's, that was kind of tough. Thank time. You. That is what we needed. I want to end with that one. I knew you would be good at this. <laughs> Thing for Tobin. Excellent. So thank I have to tell you, thank yeah. you for the game. And I have to tell you that this is a, a thing you brought to my attention, this idea of violence in everyday language, mm-hmm. um, in, in idii, <laughs> idioms, um, year, years ago, a few years ago. And it's a thing that it made enough of, it made such an impression on me that I, I've, I've worked really hard, particularly in class to try and find other, phrases things that aren't and because we use a lot of also because with film we're, we're talking about shooting like we shoot mm-hmm. film so it's already loaded with again loaded yeah. <laughs> it's already freighted with violent sort of some violent um uh language and so um and i'm not always successful at it but there are times i i will i will do you know say gun shy and then i'll stop myself and rephrase it i don't explain it but i'd like mm. so i i've it, this is one of the many ways in which you have improved me <laughs> um, no, it's true I it's true i thank you i'll take the compliment i think more of um just thinking you know thinking you refreshed about my refresh my perspective yeah. oh yes Re- refresh that perspective i like that yes we all have areas where there are things we can and should learn and can and should unlearn Tobin's line is next. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now is the point of podcast where we decide if this movie is progressive or regressive and give our closing thoughts. Is Portrait of a Lady a step forward or a step back for fearless women in front of and behind the camera? Island, what say you? 
I'm I'm befuddled um, <laughs> because, like I sort of alluded to at the beginning, I can point to aspects of it and things in it that are truly excellent and high quality, but I don't want to watch it again. And <laughs> and I think similarly with this question of I can point to things like, yes, it is certainly centered around this woman's experience and brings up. Um, all kinds of uh, points about how we treat each other and what we expect of each other and this and that. However, would I use it to illustrate anything, you know, uh, mm-hmm. anything about being progressive? I don't think it would be my example of anything. Um, that being said, I don't think it's harmful that it exists. I don't, I don't think it perpetuates anything, um, too problematic. So I, 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 I don't think it's a good answer, but my answer at the moment is just uh, sort of not applicable. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I put it in the middle only because I, I don't know that it moves the needle other than its existence. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, you mentioned uh, Jane Campion being the second um, woman ever nominated as a director. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, if my saying that the movie is progressive means more women get to direct movies, then I'll say it's progressive. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, it would not be my go-to for an illustration of of our mission on this podcast. <laughs> How about you? I so I uh, wrestle with this in some ways too because I have a f- very similar feeling to you in terms of not wanting to watch it again. <laughs> um, however, I there are pieces of the movie that I in- fully intend to show to film students to talk about what a director's point of view does to a scene. Like if we read the, we read the scene between. Nicole Kidman, John Malkovich, and um, Valentina Servi, where he's got her on his lap. And we just read the text, and then we watch the way it's shot, even without the sound on. Um, I just think that there is an attu- there's a, such a fine attunement on Jane Campion's point of view to her women's points of view in the movie that I have to say progressive because it is in those – it's – um. I don't think you need to see the whole movie to get that part. <laughs> and I think that you're right. The whole movie dilutes it then because it's because of the viewing experience. Um, but I think I will say, I think I'll have to say progressive. Awesome. Excellent. What are well, we going to watch you. next? Oh, sorry. I was just going to thank you for having this excellent conversation with me. Oh, thank you. Your conversations with you are always fun and informative. Wonderful. Well, um, we have two more coming up in August for you then. What a treat. So our official episode is um, the 2020 film The Old Guard, which you can find on Netflix. That will come out August 25th. However, we have a second bonus episode because we love you so much and we love this movie so much. Mm-hmm. Um we're going to do a very special episode of um, featuring 
the 2000 movie, the movie from the year 2000, Love and Basketball, um, August 11th. And why are we doing those two, Tobin? We're doing those two because, first of all, the, old, the reviews, reviews for The Old Guard are fantastic. We've been wanting to cover uh, a Gina Prince by the Wood movie ever since we started the podcast. Love and Basketball has been on, and Beyond the Lights have been on our list from when we started the podcast. Um, and so uh, because The Old Guard is out and getting such good reviews, um, we thought, well, let's cover both and throw a bonus episode to the to our fans who are all i'm sure wearing masks <laughs> not going to movie theaters and watching movies in the comfort of their own home so uh i'm very i'm really excited i've not seen love and basketball since for a while probably i don't know 15 years now so i'm very excited to i'm very excited this movie again i kind of counted as a 90s movie even though it's came out in the year 2000 it still yeah. feels pretty 90s to me Absolutely. So, uh, yeah check back on august 11th and then august 25th uh watch love and basketball and then watch the old guard excellent uh tobin where can we find you if folks want to discuss this film or um, any other jane campion films <laughs> you can find me on twitter at Tobin Addington, and I would be happy to tweet back and forth about Jane Campion with anybody. Where can people find you, Aslan? <laughs> well, as always, reluctantly on Twitter at SassyNerdMT. Um, or it, also, if you really enjoy the sound of my voice um, and want something mildly positive uh, to listen to, I also have a short series podcast called Why Aren't We All? also found on the cage club podcast network yay so check those out who knew we would need so desperately things to make the world a better place um you did clearly you you had that crystal ball you've had that figured out for us um and you can find us on twitter at contenders underscore pod or on patreon at the contenders special thanks to our members who've joined at the marquee level or above sean flynn and jeff addington We here at The Contenders are proud members of the Cage Club Podcast Network. You can explore all their great shows at cageclub.me, and you can keep tabs on all the Cage Club happenings on Twitter at Cage Club Pod. As always, thank you so much for listening. I am Tobin Addington. I'm Aislinn Addington, and we'll see you next time on The Contenders. I was gonna so welcome the contenders on Island, uh, and then you say you're talking about they were talking about Portrait of a Lady, and then and then you. I was just gonna, you know, how did you come to this movie or whatever? Then I'll just include okay. that. Just I'm gonna bring that, that into the conversation. Okay, cool, cool, cool.